What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Islanders country, hello. This is the Eyes on Isles podcast powered by the Fansided Sports Network. I am your host, Joe Bono. Follow me on Twitter at IslesFix. Subscribe to our Monday to Friday newsletter and purchase New York Islanders A to Z. A portion of the proceeds goes to the Islanders Children's Foundation. And I'm joined here on this Wednesday night by our full-time recurring guest, a post-game edition of Mr. Andy Francis. How are you today, sir? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? That was an exciting third period into the overtime, into the shootout for a game that was strange kind of game because there was a lot of block shots, a lot of kind of turnovers, but not a lot of opportunities, not a lot of saves, not a lot of shots on goal. Things opened up in the third period, especially for the Islanders out shooting Washington 13 at, to one at one point. To where you're going, man, this is going to be a tough game to lose with the way they're dominating this third period. An exciting overtime. Both sides have their chances. And then wouldn't you know it, hell has frozen over. The Islanders win a shootout that I was certain they would not win. (laughs) Uh, Didn't they? I mean, maybe they saw my tweet because after the second period or something along those lines, I added on to something I said the other day where I said, well, Isles fans, good news. At least you know they're not going to be on ESPN next year because yeah. of Because, <laughs> you know, like the Islanders have, they, they have had games this year that have been exciting. It just happens to never fall on the national games. So after the second period, I tweeted, well, I guess you can add TNT to the list. And then in the third period, the game opened up, and it was definitely more exciting. Uh, I my brother along with me we got very worried when we saw the that pelic back mm. like, that is something it just can't happen if it happens you know you want to talk about like a balloon like just up into the sky it's gone you, you just cannot win without your minutes eating defenseman who you're going to use to lock up another top line as much as you can during the playoffs but he came out in overtime so that was a big relief yeah, Ovechkin with that hit on him. Remember earlier in the year, Ovechkin had the hit on Pajot and just his facial expression as he was kind of coming down and in excruciating pain, holding his back. And then whatever time was left, a minute and a half, I just sat there, kind of my hand on my cheek, just shaking my head ever so subtly, just kind of waiting for Washington to score a goal and then to find out that, you know, Adam Pellick has suffered a lower back injury. And then what was the point of all of this over the last couple, couple of weeks uh, to get excited about postseason hockey? But he came out, did not go in the tunnel, actually took the first shift of overtime. Um, Islanders had some really good chances. Parisi had a really good chance. Dobson had a breakaway. Um, Sorokin had to make a really clutch save. Uh, Wilson had a one-timer that went off the post. And then Islanders get a tripping penalty. They only had 28 seconds to go on the four and three, although that looked better than the four and threes where, where they couldn't on consecutive games uh, convert there for that 30 seconds. And then in the shootout, Kuznetskov, uh, goes first, and I mean, he dazzles. He twirls the twirls the stick. I mean, Sorokin is just sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, and like frozen. And um, it's just a perfect move. Washington goes up one nothing, and you're saying there, this is over. At that point, it was over. Knowing they have Oshi left, knowing they could go to Ovechkin, knowing they have Backstrom, and lo and behold, Bo Horvat comes in. And scores, and we're even, and I still didn't feel too confident at that point, but then Sorokin, who's not been good in these shootouts, really rose to the occasion on the final two shooters. Yeah, I think Oshi made a big mistake. Like, the one thing with Sorokin that he does very well is move laterally. So if you're going to be trying to deke him, you know, I guess you can make the argument if he roofed it a little bit more, would have got over the glove. But with Sorokin, if I'm shooting on him, you're trying to pick corners. You know, he still looks like small and skinny in there. But for Deeks, 
he's just going to cover up so much ground. Even if you think you're looking at an open net, like Oshi faked backhand, then went back to the forehand, and it looked like there was a ton of net. And by the time the puck was relieved, released off his stick, you had the pad and the little area with the glove right there covered. I mean, a perfect shot if it was a little higher. It's not as easy when they say, oh, if he could have just elevated a little more. When you're doing that all in one motion, it's very tough. You're just looking to essentially clear the pad since you're if, you're, if the goalie can desperately get over there. But since he got the glove on top of the pad, it was able uh, to nick it enough and make the stop. It was a great save. And the funny thing is, I understand there's the Islanders narrative about the shootouts, but most of that was accumulated without Kyle Palmieri, who can pick cor- uh, pick corners during the shootout. You kind of saw some of that last year. Then when you got Horvat in, Horvat's just a guy who happened to miss like his first two penalty shots. But now that when you're looking at Horvat, Nelson, and Palmieri, you have three legitimate shooters. And even when Barzal comes back, he wouldn't be one of the top three shooters. Your top three breakaway guys are right there. And they're just as legitimate as anybody else's. Like, And you know I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be reserved in ripping the Islanders if, if if the opportunity called for it. But when you're looking at a top three penalty shooters, they're fine. That is that is right around the league average, if not, I'd argue, a little bit better. Because shootouts are a weird thing. Some teams have freak players who score six goals all year, but they're able to convert on 50% of their penalty shots. It's a weird niche thing. And now I would say with Horvat there, Palmieri back, they're right around like that 50% mark. And I know that sounds ridiculous with all the shootout losses, but... You kind of have to realize that Horvat wasn't there and Palmieri wasn't there for a bunch of them as well. Yeah, they finally maybe have a, these are the three guys I would go with. Um, we never had to get to the uh, third uh, third shooter, um, remarkably, in this shootout. And Kyle Palmieri, I mean, what more can you say? He's red hot right now. Came in with five goals and, and five assists over his last six games. Second, I think, only to Brock Nelson in points um, since February 3rd. You know, we talked about the Pelic injury, and they even mentioned it towards the end of the broadcast. You know, the worst stretch of hockey the Islanders had was following the Pelic injury. But remember, Kyle Palmieri missed 20-plus games himself during this season and obviously missed a lot of time last year as well. He's healthy. He's playing confident. Even the shot earlier in the game, he beat Kemper. Uh, it just went off the side of the post and and, and obviously out. Um, but he, and he had the, probably his best overall regular season game as an Islander against the Devils a couple nights ago. And now that line of him, Nelson, and Pierre Engvall, who scores a, yet another goal, apparently he owns Darcy Kemper um, in this game. And now all of a sudden the Islanders have, you know, whatever that, you know, the top line doesn't have to be the line that Bo Horvat's on. This is the top line for the Islanders right now with Nelson, Palmieri, and Engvall playing as well, all three of them at the same time. Yeah, it's just a shame that they can't find another line to really produce because, yes, that is a good good news that the second line is functioning as a first line, but the first line isn't functioning as a second line. And we could really use somebody to break out, whether it's Horvat. I mean, I think Lee has to be with Horvat, whatever that weird thing was dropping him down to the third line. Watching just, Lee with Paggio and Holmstrom just looks like a fish out of water. It's like, what is he doing on this line exactly that's kind of like a shutdown checking line it just completely doesn't fit yeah so it's more so do whatever you have to do to try to you know thrust a little bit of life into that top line whatever it may be it's not the worst thing in the world if you kind of have to juggle the fourth line a little bit but I know going into playoffs you probably want to keep them together but even if they use a spare part on that first line whoever it may be from that third line it will like. Do you remember when Horvat, Lee, and Matt Martin were having some success? Like there will be a stretch where they have some find some success again. But you know they got to uh, you know something has to happen to to spring that line into life because you know they kind of need it. And the fourth line, they've been really good. I mean, this is a line that fans are watching year in and year out, being like, when is it just kind of kind of end and Matt Martin's had a, you know, sneaky good year, had a really uh, for Matt Martin, a burst offensively uh, a couple months ago. Zizekas has been really good this season, put in a bunch of different situations and Cal Clutterbuck for someone that we fear might've been out for the year. He came back and he's been playing well. They're getting a lot of minutes. I think they're having a lot of sustained offensive zone time and they're, and they're creating chances and Clutterbuck had a couple of good ones here 
um, here tonight. So uh, that right now they're probably their second most consistent line. And then of course it comes just down to, you want to have a point? Want to go ahead? You want to say something? Yeah. It's something that I've said for years, uh, the last couple of years, and I, we've never talked about it on this podcast, but it's one of the important parts and this goes to future teams, future years, but what this fourth line, the reason it can be incredibly frustrating to watch them sometimes throughout the season. You go, oh, that's enough with it. You are just carrying this line throughout the course of a season. You maybe hope they have one or two stretches. But as I remind people all the time, the regular season is to the postseason what the preseason is to the regular season. In a couple of weeks, you're going to watch a brand of hockey that resembles zero of the 82 games that you watched, even against the Rangers and whatever. It is like holding speed burst all game long. And throughout the season, you're dealing with the shortcomings of the Clutterbucks or the Matt Martins or a third guy I'll lump in with there, Scott Mayfield, because the playoff style of hockey where the refs let a little more go, it suits the strengths of the fourth line along with guys like Scott Mayfield. And I understand the random brain farts that you see throughout the course of the season are frustrating, but you're not trying to win the regular season. This is not the English Premier League. You're trying to get to the playoffs and come playoff time. It's no coincidence that all of a sudden, after not producing offensively for the majority of the season, they're contributing just as much at points as some of the other lines because they're hitting everything that moves. They're creating turnovers and that, that, raucous environment that the playoff atmosphere brings it brings the best out of them because that chemistry with that environment works and it's worked every single time the islanders have been in the playoffs and now that you're seeing even play resemble 30 percent of playoff style of hockey it's no coincidence that that line all of a sudden is looking that way once again and it's something that i always have to remind people when they get frustrated game 30 watching the fourth line this line sucks they're slow they do nothing you're just trying to drag them along to use them like a weapon come playoff time and they're being used like a weapon i think right now and i understand there's another notch to go but you know, the, 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 what they're bringing to the game energy wise is different than what anyone else on the Islanders lines are doing and certainly what the opposition uh, can bring as well. And then another great night, of course, for Ilya Sorokin. Um, Sorokin now has played 56 games, pretty much a sure bet to get over that 60 game uh, threshold. And we'll see where Semyon Varlamov plays again. They have a back to back. Uh, coming up on Saturday and Sunday. So that might be the next and maybe last opportunity for Varlamov to get into a game. Uh, you'll be in attendance, correct, um, at the fancy uh, uh, bourgeoisie uh, suite with your brother uh, tickets on Saturday night, correct? Well, the, the last I checked, you were at a more state-of-the-art arena, a brand-new arena, Chase Dime Club, Premier Club, showing up with all these celebrities. You're sitting in there with Machio and Chloe... Uh, Grace Moretz. Chloe Morenz. Yes, mm -hmm. you're sitting in there with her. Madison Beers, you're having beers with <laughs> Madison Beers. And MJF. Yeah, I'm trying Shakira. to trickle my way. <laughs> yeah, I'm out there with the old school Isle fans, the Kevin Connollys. No, I'm uh, like I told you, the graduation gift slash fake greedy graduation gift was I got us tickets to the game. So I mean, we're just sitting in the in the section where in, like in they seats. give you food. What, who are these celebrity Tampa Bay fans? Like Hulk no, nobody. Now that Brady's gone, now it's just back to nobody over here. I feel like the Hulkster should be at those games. Has he never gone yeah. to those games? I don't, I don't know. I told you I'm on a Zach WrestleMania Parisi season. Deal. I'm already of... almost out of Tampa. Like this was a one year Zach Parisi deal, you know, but you might, you might sign an extension. <laughs> I like Zach Parisi. Do you think he will? You I mean, I don't like to do gossip again? drama stuff. Do you think he'll come back again? I think so. Yeah. I mean, why not? Why wouldn't he? I think he doesn't want to make maybe move again and uproot his family. If he wants to play again, he certainly will have a spot provided he's not looking for Maybe he gets a little bit of a raise over 750,000, but he's not going to be looking that much more. Seems very happy. Yeah, as long content. As... 21 goals now this season. Tremendous. You're right. As long as the Wilds are still paying him, it's not like he. Uh, right. He's not. Uh, so he could, he could afford Garden City uh, taxes uh, with uh, the Minnesota <laughs> Wild money that's coming in. Um, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the game that preceded this one, which was a 5 1 win over the New Jersey Devils. 
Um, a game that was certainly a lot closer than the 5-1 score, 2-1 until Palmieri second of the night, and then the Islanders score uh, a rarity, two uh, empty net goals in the same game, the second coming from Parisi with six-tenths of a second left. But this was a game where the, the energy level in the building definitely felt a little bit different, and you had this you know, Devils team that's in the playoffs but is still kind of maybe j- jostling for position here, shot at winning the Metro, want to stave off the Rangers and have home ice, so an important game for them. And the Islanders brought a physicality to that game, were really uh, aggressive on the forecheck that, you know, kept the Devils at bay. They got some chances, and they're skilled enough that they're going to get those chances. But overall, I thought, they, I thought the Islanders played a pretty solid defensive game that would have made you somewhat proud against – against a New Jersey team that obviously is is loaded with forward talent. Yeah, I think – I hate the saying it is what it is because it doesn't mean anything. I think I've mentioned that to you before. It but is. we all understand the best way for the Islanders to win. Like even you saw that they just – they don't – they're not blessed with a bunch of skaters, so they have to do it the hard way. I mean they're not able to generate a crazy amount of chances off the rush and whatnot – so there's one way to do it. You either do it that way or you end up losing. And they're doing it the way that's necessary. It's not going to get you a bunch of national games. It's not going to get you a bunch of attention. It's going to get it's going to get the uh, Bizonet, you know, making fun of you on national television. No, Bizonet's a big fan of the Islanders. He tweeted out after the game. He tweeted out after the game something. I'll get it for you in a moment. Yeah. Well, either you choose that or you choose the opposite. And you know where that is. Ask the Ottawa Senators how fun it is to have all these all-stars on offense and not even be able to crack the playoff race anymore. So, Although uh, they have helped uh, recently with, we'll get into that, a win over the Panthers uh, earlier this week. Uh, Paul Pizanet, Islanders pull off another, dragged Washington right into the swamp for the first two periods. Islanders hockey, baby. <laughs> that was interesting. Think- and they had Pizanet. Um, they had Anson Carter wearing um, the the team that he owns in the Georgia team that he owns, I think, right? ECHL? Yeah, I saw him wearing that before. Yeah. Isn't that where Bodie Wilde is? I have no clue. I'll have to look that up. And then you had um, King Henrik um, in there looking dapper as always. And um, he was uh, talking about Sorokin. Um, a little bit in the pregame, talked about the style of Russian goaltenders and how aggressive uh, Sorokin is and never gives up on a play. But he was also asked by Bizanet, point blank, who's better, Igor or Sorokin? And he kind of took a moment, which makes me think he was lying when he said that he thinks Igor is the better. I mean, he could not say anything else, but it wasn't like a clear. He kind of – there was a hesitation there before he said that. So, Well, look, Igor is coming off – a Vezina borderline heart candidate type of year. He he tried single-handedly winning them that game six in Tampa Bay, and he showed up in the playoffs. Sorokin is in the middle of his first full-time year. You know, Sorokin's going to have to do a little more to ascend past him in that. And, you know, we'll see. There's still many chapters to write in those books. Yeah, Bodie Wilds with the Atlantic Gladiators of the ECHL. So the G's not for Georgia, it's for Gladiators. But I got the I got the state right. <laughs> and I got the team right, uh, at least for Bodie Wild, although I don't think he's doing uh, too well. Um, but uh, this overall, the Islanders have played well. I mean, they've been – I don't know exactly what the record is now without Matthew Barzell, but the Islanders have played some really good hockey um, this weekend, notwithstanding when they lost in overtime uh, 5-4 to – Columbus and then uh, failed to score on ESPN, getting shut out by the Buffalo Sabres on Saturday. But I could not imagine that with five games left, that they would be in this position with the top wild card to the point where I put out a poll earlier today and said, where will the Islanders finish? Top wild card, second wild card or out of the playoffs. And over 80% of fans in the five or 600 that voted felt that they were going to be the top wild card. It is shocking if you go back uh, two, three weeks, a month to think that they are in the position that they're in and how confident the fan base currently feels that they will remain in that position, which is the position you've, say, you've been saying now for three months 
they had to be in in order to make any kind of a playoff run this year. Absolutely. Now, it's definitely helped. I don't know if you saw the little graphic that I put out last night that the only team who even had a winning record of all the teams in the wild card mix were the Florida Panthers in their last 10, and they were 5-4-1. and one. Now you can up that to 6-4-1. and one. So it definitely helps when every single team has a losing record in their last 10, but still, the Islanders were 6-3-1, and one, I believe, so they were doing their part. And I'll continue to say, you don't even know how paramount it is. It's wild card one or just be embarrassed and then have a whole offseason of being ashamed at your five-game loss or something like that. Or you have the upset of a lifetime and then have to deal with the team who eliminated us twice in the last three years or the Toronto Maple Leafs who are coming off their first victory in so long and will have all that momentum and home ice against the Islanders. Now you get the Carolina Hurricanes, and I don't know if you've been watching them lately, if anybody's been paying attention, they've lost Sveshnikov, which we talked about last uh, episode when it happened that night, and the consequences have been pretty predictable. Now, you can see them squeeze out a couple of results here and there, but they dramatically outplayed the Rangers at home, but weren't able to score and ended up losing that game 2-1. to one. They got shut out last night by Tampa Bay in their building. They're having major offensive deficiencies. I guess if there's a team who could understand what that's like, it would be us. But the thing is, they don't have Sorokin. They have Freddie Anderson, who's good, but he's no Sorokin. And they are... They can potentially be exposed. Can they work hard, still win a series? Absolutely. But when you're talking about a team who's extremely vulnerable, their power play is struggling massively, and they can't generate a ton of five-on-five chances. And then they don't even know Anderson's a very unpredictable goal. He's injured almost all the time. So many question marks with the Hurricanes. And we can avenge that sweep from a couple years ago. Now, um, when I, you look at that possible it's, it's route. It's strange. They're like, it feels like they're trying to back into the winning the division. Like you, you're looking like how many games are left? How, how much longer can they keep this lead? But their cushion is there enough where they'll probably do it. And then it's going to be a really interesting game. That game on Sunday night, 6 o'clock in Raleigh, um, and there's six games left, not five. I misspoke before. It will be really interesting to see how these teams kind of match up because it's a game still Carolina very much needs to try to solidify and win that division. They certainly, after the way they've played all year and they've been in that position for the great majority of the season since overtaking uh, the Devils a few months ago, they don't want to drop certainly into that two spot and, and deal with and deal with the Rangers in that first round. Um, it's going to be a really fascinating game uh, to watch them on, on Sunday. And then, like, as you mentioned, Florida obviously comes back here tonight, uh, scores a goal late against Toronto, and then gets a really huge uh, overtime win. I think it was Barkov in overtime that scored the game winner. So they're still right now nipping at the heels of of Pittsburgh, but the Islanders now have still a six-point advantage. So, you know, that one point felt huge when it happened, and and Florida was losing 2-1 to Toronto at the time. They tie the game and then win it. So getting the two points here in Washington even bigger just for solidifying the playoff position – where do you see the eighth spot or the other position in the playoffs? If the Islanders are able to uh, continue and get enough points here in the six games and have one of those positions, Florida or Pittsburgh, which team do you think ends up ends up with more points? Well, first of all, I don't want you to start, you know, counting. What is? Did I already forget that? Said counting your chickens before, chickens they, before hatch. they hatch. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I was. I mean, it's we're, we're getting to the point where it's a colossal, uh, it'd be a colossal. Okay, if they didn't if take they that overtime, you were looking at the standings and you're up by four points and Pittsburgh has two games in hand. And now I know you should never just assume, but the fact is that is not a cushion. That is if you have to hope Pittsburgh doesn't win two games and that's the only way you're ahead. Fortunately, they got that extra point. So now even if they were to win those two games in hand, they would still trail by a point. And they'll have the the tiebreaker against them in regulation wins. Yeah. Yes, correct. Which effectively is like a sixth point. So when you look at the Islanders' remaining schedule, though, two games versus Tampa, and you want to say Tampa has been struggling, but then they just shut out Carolina in Carolina. Now we're coming to play them after that. So we're playing Vasilevsky after a shutout on their home ice, a place where I don't know if you've noticed, but we don't have an easy time winning. So you have two games left versus them. 
and it's not like we have a bunch of cupcakes left. So it's we're in a very good spot, and we've seen them beat the Leafs, beat Jersey. They're gonna have to find a way to trickle a couple more of these, and then. I mean, and Andy, Money Puck had them at eighty nine point nine percent when I woke Money up. Money Puck had Aho and Mayfield <laughs> as the best shutdown unit in the entire league, and it seems they just deleted it. It's not there anymore. So they were the best shutdown unit in the league, and now it's Probably magically don't gone anymore. Oh, uh, uh, I see that. Together. That's that's the scam they run. They push the qualifying bar up so that a previously unbelievably incorrect assessment of a pair gets to just float off into the into the breeze. Okay, well, I'll rephrase the question. Regardless of what the Islanders do over the last six games, um, which team do you like better uh, uh, right now, Pittsburgh or or Florida? Down the stretch, which which of those two would finish with more points? I think Florida has way. proven that they are as unreliable as you can come. Pittsburgh has proven that they're unreliable, but we have seen stretches where they've ripped five in a row, six in a row, seven in a row, where they're getting points straight in. Florida has not had a great stretch of hockey. They just had a decent home stretch, but that was a long, they had a long homestand and many of the opponents, like there were Blackhawks and followed by Montreal. And if you can't get points from them at home ice, but when you look at the entire season, including the game the other night, they just can't be trusted. Any team who doesn't play defense, you can't trust. So you really can't trust either of them, but you got to figure Crosby and the troops are going to at least give the effort that's necessary. We were just looking like we had passed them. Then within a couple of days, they were right back in things. And even though they were down 3 nothing against the Red Wings, ended up losing that game, they came back. It was 3-3, 4-3 Wings, came back 4-4. Then Red Wings were, were two minutes away from getting a point out of that yeah, game. And Red Wings twice. score a power play yeah. goal. So, you know, I, I would lean towards Pittsburgh. I, I would... They're the devil I trust opposed to the devil I don't because Florida, you know, they're the way they play. The inconsistencies are a nightmare. I'm looking at the, the, I would go Pittsburgh. I'm looking at the schedule now for, for Pittsburgh. They have, wow. Huge game on Thursday at home against Nashville, then home against the Bruins on Saturday, back to back home against flyers on Sunday, then at New Jersey home to Minnesota and then the last three games are really all very winnable at Detroit. Granted, they just lost um, seven to four here on on Tuesday night, but at Detroit on Saturday, April eighth, and then they finish at home for Chicago, and then at Columbus. So, you know, if they if they get into a good position in those final three games, you're going to really like uh, Pittsburgh's chances. And then Florida, I think, has one of the very reasonable schedule as well at the moment, which, you know, lends to your point about the Islanders not being able to take anything for granted, especially how quickly things can change if they don't get some points in the next three games with two against Tampa and the one against Carolina. Uh, Panthers play on Thursday at Montreal, at Columbus, home to Buffalo, home to Ottawa, at Washington, and then Toronto and Carolina. But those games, last two games of the season, decent chance neither one of those games are necessary for Toronto or Carolina. So still a long way to go. Another couple of weeks here. Um, and we'll have, um, you know, baseball to watch and other things to be excited and occupy our, our brains with um, during these off days. But Jeez, Islanders, people, people call the Islanders boring. I mean, you're sitting out there watching baseball. I mean, come on. I love baseball. I got my Met hat on March 31st, opening day, 410. Oh, just think about it. In a hundred games, you're still not going to know what's going on and have to watch another 62. Holy God. I retired from baseball mid-2000s. Like it's Yeah, but now they got the pitch clock. Got to come back. The pitch clock's going to bring you that's back. Basically, watch some I mean, the, pitch, games. the pitch clock being introduced is like the validation I've always needed. You know, some these last couple of years. Because young people, like, you know, Gen Z kids, they all just unanimously agree they're like who the hell watches baseball people play ba-? like they look at baseball like when we were younger we would look at like older people talking about golf that's really what baseball is now it's it's looked at like golf and the introduction of the shot clock or whatever the hell this thing is it's just validation that the league knows oh yeah we're just some old guy game that nobody likes watching we need to do something drastic 
I will say this. I don't go to nearly as many games as I did in my in my youth, in my 20s. And even when I was younger, going to games with my dad and my brother when you know I lived at home, we'd, we'd go a, a lot. Um, I watch these games and these games go to extra innings, which is another maybe validation for you now that they have the ghost runner at second base so that these games end in the 10th and 11th inning and don't go 15, 16, 17, 18. But I'll even just watch these games and look at these people that are sitting behind home plate and it's 11, 15, 11, 20 at night. And I'm like, you got to go home. You still got to get to your car, go out of the parking lot, sit in traffic on the Whitestone Expressway, find a parking space. Try to get to sleep. They're not even watching the game. At eleven thirty, I mean, half these people are just on TikTok anyway. They're not even watching the game. They're going there so they can take a picture, upload it, say they're at their game, and just but then why not leave? I don't understand. Like, I mean, I guess people want to stay for the for the actual final out and get your money's worth. I guess, but I just look at that. I'm like, they're gonna get home so late. It's like. It's like hockey playoffs that go one or two overtimes, and that's just a regular season baseball game sometimes, or at least it has been. Um, although, you know, the games are shaving off uh, about 25 minutes now due to the the pitch clock, which is going to get Andy Francis back, unretiring, back into baseball uh, as soon as Maybe. the hockey season is over um, in, in June. Hopefully, I mean, we'll still it, watch it Islanders hockey those, in June. When it cuts to those shots of behind home plate, I mean, the yawns per minute from a crowd <laughs> who's supposed to be watching a sporting event. The other thing is, is like, they wild. show, like, these, re- these these replays in slow motion of the home runs, and literally everyone behind the plate, you're behind the plate. You have uh, the best seats in the house, and everyone is just looking at their phones, and they just hear the crack of the bat, and then they're all, like, look up. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. I always look at that. Like, they show, oh, let's look at their replay, and everyone's, everyone has their head down, and then they look up afterwards, and they get excited, and then take another What selfie. I'm curious is, do people who watch baseball watch the World Cup and say, oh, God, how do you guys watch this? It's so boring. Yeah, of course they do. As we sit here for a five-hour extra innings <laughs> game, a real pitcher's duel, where right, we got to watch – we got to watch the pitching coach come out and talk about what cereal he likes because he's trying to disrupt the flow in the game. One of the biggest scams in all of sports is you can fully stop the momentum for no reason other than to walk out of your, and you walk. You don't have to jog to the mound. You walk out like a slob, and then you talk about nothing, something meaningless. Like, yo, remember when we used to go in 1995, that old place? Yeah, I think it's uh, so-and-so now. Hey, and then he just goes and sits back down. He's on the ice at the Nassau Coliseum last night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they have they have rules against that now too. There's only a certain amount of mound visits you can make over the course. There should of be years. zero They're, mound visits. What is this? Baseball has addressed all of your concerns, Andy. What is a mound visit? You just get to talk to some guy about what's happening. You got to calm down. Got to calm down. You got to tell him, hey, listen, looks like your shoulders flailing out a little bit. Take a deep yeah, breath. Yeah, yeah. Imagine, imagine Igor Shesterkin. Igor Shesterkin lets in three pucks in a row. And you, you just get to just skate out onto the ice and be like, hey, all right, you guys, hold on. We're just talking a little bit. And I can only do this five times per game. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and hockey has only one timeout. They did talk about something during the broadcast. Um, they were showing the replay from um, the Toronto game, and there was a shootout. And they said, you know, should you be able to select any player that's on the ice to take the shootout? Like soccer, right? Someone else gets tripped up in the box and they call the penalty. You know, it doesn't matter where Lionel Messi was at the time. He's going to take the penalty kick for Argentina. And whether or not that should be the case for hockey as well, that you can say anyone that was on the ice can take the shootout. The, How uh, many penalty, penalty shots shot. are even called? All I know long. there aren't a lot, but, you know, do you? I think that'd be an interesting rule. You should. You should absolutely be able to send anybody on the ice. There you go. Definitely. Next thing you know, 100%. hockey players will be wearing the, wearing zero like they can in the NFL now. Uh, that was a big rule change in the NFL. All right, we've talked about baseball, yeah, the NFL, that. and hockey. Uh, when we come back, I'll talk about my uh, Saturday night as the MC of the preschool fundraiser. I know Andy's excited to find out how I did. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more um, Islander hockey. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast. Joe Bono and Andy Francis will be right back. We're back, Eyes on Isles podcast, Joe Bono and Andy Francis. And Saturday was a big day and night for me, Andy. Woke up in the morning around 9 o'clock, get an email from the Islanders telling me, can you bring 15 New York Islander A to Z books to UBS Arena today? We'll put them in the Isles lab. So, wow. 
I mean, was I thrilled to have to drive to Elmont <laughs> from Connecticut? But I mean, for that, I was obviously Come going on. to do it. No, no questions asked. So I got dressed up. I say dressed up. I have like this one official Islanders uniform that I wear. Like I'm not gonna, like I've gone now, I've done three Islander things lately and I wore the exact same outfit, which is my season yeah. ticket holder Islanders hoodie that I got when I was a season ticket holder during the 2015 16 season, same pair of jeans. It's like my, it's like my uniform. Cause I, I feel weird wearing a Jersey cause I'm not going there. I, should, I wasn't going should. there for you a game. You should not wear a Jersey. You're, you're not a, you're not a child showing up to lunch. Like a you're, lot of people wear jerseys though for hockey games. You're it's a grown ass children. man. They showed you, they asked you to come there and bring your books, which you had published. You don't show up like I did at the Bad Santas. You show up <laughs> like a distinguished gentleman that you are. And then the Islanders should say, you know what? This distinguished gentleman brought these books that we asked of him. How about here in the Isles Lab, where we have a ton of paraphernalia, we return the favor. So hopefully they did that. They, they did not. Although I was looking at some items that I definitely had my eye on. Um, there's some really good stuff in there, but I did not uh, pull the trigger. Um, for the time being, I'm just going to keep on going with my official uh, Islander fan uh, uniform. One suit, at the moment. baby. That's right. So you know, as long as there's different people seeing me, you know, why not? It's like, you know, just changing the tie on, on a suit that you wear to multiple weddings. Um, so got to got to have the book in the store. Just really cool. I have no idea how well they sold on Saturday. I have no idea how well they sold um, on Monday against the Devils, but they're there. So um, if you've been thinking about getting the book and you're at a home game um, here down the final stretch, check it out in the kids section. There should be two or three of them stacked up and then they have others. Hopefully they run out and they want to buy more, but really just cool to see it there. I took a bunch of pictures and then Brian Trottier is there at Isles Lab signing his book. And I'm like, okay, well, this is an opportunity. So I um, went online, purchased his book, waited there patiently, got there to the front. First time I've shaken any of the Dynasty guys' hands. Like, I don't know if you've met any of them ever in person. And they do everything. They're at charity events. They're at golf tournaments. They're at the games all the time. I had not met one of them ever. This was the first time I got to meet anyone, and I'm glad it was someone that was pretty much the, my same height. It's only like 5'10", Brian Trottier. <laughs> shook, his, shook his hand. He signed his book, and I was like, I got one more for you, and I got to show him you know, his page with the book. He signed it, and then we got to take a nice little book together, and I, you know, I tweeted it out and said, you know, two published books and seven Stanley Cups among the two of us, um, yeah, and was that was great. I like that. But then I couldn't stay for the game. Which I'm glad I didn't after the way it ended, the yeah. 2 nothing Buffalo game, because I had to get home to MC the fundraiser. Yeah, DJ Joey B. He had to make the party. Well, first off, the theme was country couture, so everyone had to dress up like cowboys and cowgirls. So I bought a, um, a belt buckle from Amazon, which had a nice big B on it uh, for my last name. And I had no idea how to put up. Do you know how to put on a belt buckle? What do you mean a belt buckle? Like a just like a cowboy belt buckle. Like you just have the buckle. It's not a part of the belt. It's just the buckle. Oh, you want sheer comedy? Have have me try to do this? I have no clue. I had to I had to go to YouTube and like look of course. Like look up how do you put on a belt buckle because I had no clue and the belts that I have were not the ideal ones to have a belt buckle. I actually ripped off and broke off one of my current belts. Because I thought that's what I need to do, and then it didn't even fit me afterwards. Yeah. So you I ended invested up having... a lot of money in this in this weekend day, where supposedly you were supposed to get out of auctions. You had to drive down to Long Island, drive back, burn I had to pay for gas, parking. I had pay to pay for parking. Forty three dollars for parking. You do. Oh, I had to buy God. Brian Trottier's book. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You're six hundred in the hole. You 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 sound like a guy who could use a couple sniffs. <laughs> it could, but you won't let me. You won't let me sniff around. So I got the belt buckle on. I got this like cowboy pastel blue shirt and then a cowboy hat. And uh, that's my outfit. And uh, we go there and it's finally showtime. I thought it was going to be towards the end of the night. They bring me on like an hour and a half in because some of the men, I guess, were saying that they wanted to watch the NCAA games and they wanted to put them on the TV uh, during the fundraiser. So we did it right in the middle. And apparently everyone was thrilled with the performance. I was told I slayed. Um, I was, I was fantastic. 
We had four big items, Giants, Jets, 25-yard line tickets, a soiree, wine and cheese, uh, 10 persons at your house, Shakespeare at the park with all the VIPs and the celebrities come the summertime. And then we had one kind of one that I was really worried about, but actually we ended up getting $500 for it, where the director of the school actually meets the mom or dad at their car in the wintertime and then escorts your kid to class so you don't have to like get out and and kind of what? freeze yeah oh my god that one was popular that one got that one was very competitive that's very interesting but I, it's not shocking to me at all some of the seamless transitions you've been able to make in the midst of some of our conversations which really span all over the place. It can, we can be talking about connect four strategies and then you somehow loop that back to the perpetual noses and anything and everything from all different <laughs> episodes. So I'm not shocked whatsoever that you that you ran the show uh, successfully over it's there. It's fun, yeah. And they threw in, like, they comp me. Like, they have these photos of all your kids that they take and these gorgeous black and white photos. They do a great job with it. So they comp me the black and white photo of my daughter um, as, as, a, as, a, as a thank you um, for, for doing the, uh, the master of ceremonies. And I'll be back. I'll be, I'll be, I don't think that was my last one. I think I did a good enough job. All right, well, if you, have to leave the eyes, if you have to leave the Eyes on Isles podcast, <laughs> teen get-togethers and whatnot about school boards and whatnot, then uh, I'll understand. And what do you got going on? What's been happening for you? What, what was this weekend like? In terms of uh, anything, well, social life. I mean, come on. I'm trying to live vicariously through you. Single guy, Tampa, Florida, you and your brother, bachelor pad. What's going on? Yeah. I, I mean, he actually, you know, he's not at graduation just yet. So he, he does have a couple of finals and whatnot. But this weekend, uh, he actually went back home. He went to the Islanders Sabres game. He was oh, there. I was there. Did he buy a book? He, he immediately regretted that one. And speaking <laughs> of the pa- paraphernalia from the Isles uh, lab store, he got something that's absolutely hysterical. It's this hat that you put on, and it looks like something from Super Mario Brothers 3, Giant Land. It looks like a giant Islander's hat. And maybe I should go but get the, it right the, now. Is it the it, ones that they do, for, that the guy from um, the Redskins got popular? The, uh, the guy Brian Robinson for the Redskins, the fat caps? It looks like cartoonish, but it's hilarious. And of course, he's wearing it to the lightning game, the massive Islanders. Well, that's going to be quite rude gonna... for whoever's sitting behind you. In that's these what I was thinking. Seats. That's what I was thinking. Uh, so we're going to, yeah, if it's obstructing, I'll, I'll make him take it off. But he is 100% wearing them. And then he also bought one of those like Russian looking, like, I don't know what the hell those things are called, like the Khabib Nurmagomedov. Yeah, Shakira. Hat. That's the one Shakira wore. Yeah, I was so he got one of those. Shakira hat. Yeah, so he's got one of those as well. So which one are you wearing? You're gonna wear the the Russian one. Look, I don't know. I if he if he if he really asks, we'll bring it, and then I'll make a last second decision. I'm not here to to. I don't go I into like other people. If they people's... score and you stand up, you can put the hat on. You know, yes. sit back down. You put it down, hold it in your lap, baby. Yes, I would say that's a great compromise. But then, um, yeah. So that and that falls on a Saturday night. So we're gonna go to the game. And then I don't know. We'll, we'll get we'll get involved with some tomfoolery after that, and I'll, I'll report to you back next. Well, week. I think you should wear the wear the hats during the uh, tomfoolery um, out and about. Oh yeah, that'd be. I mean, they're conversation See, pieces. They'll 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 stir up talk. People then get, again get after not that you need after, the help, but yeah. After going to college in Boston, you know, I've dealt with the. <sighs> the harshest environments when it comes to being a road fan. So I don't think Tampa could potentially even scratch the surface Mm -hmm. on some of those crowds that I dealt with. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right. So I know know you've retired my words. You are not. And I know you've retired from baseball, although I think the rule changes are, are geared to try to get you back in. Um, but uh, have you retired from professional wrestling? Um, I'm watching you right now over your left shoulder is the million dollar belt and you have now this weekend wrestlemania saturday and sunday are you do you pay attention at all or it's all about the nostalgia for you or do you care about what's happening um in the in the current day well i'm being honest with you and anybody who's watched knows that the wrestling that you see now it pales in comparison when me and you watch growing up monday night raw 
had higher ratings than Monday Night Football. Every single person in the crowd had a sign in their hands. They proudly going screaming at the top of their lungs. Now the opening of like Monday Night Raw, it looks like the back of that Yankees get people looking at their phones. Nobody cares anymore. <laughs> and I don't blame them because you know, ever see once they lost that competition with the match they didn't have to. They didn't have to push the needle anymore. So what happened was once when they were when they were going at it against each other, it brought about the most entertaining stuff from both of those companies because they were doing anything to win. But then once McMahon stomped out the competition, then he rolled back all the entertainment to make the advertisers happy and he can maximize the profits. And I don't blame him for doing that. But what that meant was a way worse product than what you were getting i mean some of the things that they would do you know how many sponsorships they lost on a weekly basis probably but he had to do it to try to win out and we benefited from that and it's just been nothing like that the last time i checked in was i watched the pat mcafee last year because he did a great job he was yeah. entertaining but how did it end how did it end getting stunned by stone cold steve austin so still if you want it to be the most entertaining you got to call the undertaker and stone cold and the rock and vince mcmahon just more proof, you know. Yeah, the um, also the Johnny Knoxville that match was pretty entertaining. That'd be one that yes, you would have yeah. liked maybe from last year. I'll be into it. I'll watch it. I mean, obviously, I'll be it'll be rival. It'll be up against Islanders, uh, Tampa, and Islanders Hurricanes. I'm not sure if WrestleMania and McMahon uh, knew that when they booked those dates that they were up against Islanders <laughs> Lightning and Islanders Hurricanes on Saturday and Sunday nights. But uh, I don't know. I still I can't look away. I'm now 40 years old and I still kind of it's just it's such a weird thing. It just kind of just part of me. Just the fact that I kind of the one period of time, like post college, I kind of was completely out. I had no idea what's going on. But for whatever reason, in recent years, I've kind of kept one eye open. And like if I'm flipping around the channels on a Monday night or a Friday night, and you can't find something on for a little bit. I'll turn on I'll turn on the wrestling for 20 minutes like definitely and I'll go back and I'll watch some of this old stuff like all the oh, time the the old stuff absolutely like, I don't think I can overstate how much of a WWF guy I was like you did like, like, like the late the 80s match. stuff like that's like like Gorilla Monsoon and like Jesse the Body Ventura like I listen to their commentary now and I'm going this is amazing they're so good like I'm just so into it because of how how good they are and how entertaining they are um, as a broadcast team, which dude, honestly, I, I reference Barry Horowitz on this show, Barry Horowitz, a jobber from the nineties. So <laughs> if you think I wasn't deep in there, you're mistaken. I was in those trenches, but that's how far they fell off. You know, same yeah. type of thing. I went to college and that was the end. Yeah. He grew up, he grew up a little bit. Well, for the most part, I guess. Not really. Yeah. Not really. If it was entertaining, I would watch. <laughs> Like like we just said, we watched the old ones because they were entertaining. I'll still turn on. To, I mean, all my Instagram clips still have a little something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to just go to the video store and just get the Coliseum home videos of all the old like wrestling pay-per-views. And that's what I would watch on the VHS tapes like over and over again. That was my like, that was my childhood before I, I remember like the first pay-per-view I ever got was like the 1990 Royal Rumble and it was 1999. And my dad was a fireman and he was working that day. So, you know, I'm just home with my younger brother and my mom. And I'm telling my mom and the cable vision, you had to hit select. You had to go to the pay-per-view channel and then hit select and enter. And if you hit select and enter, then you purchase the pay-per-view. And it was getting closer to the start time. And I wanted to watch it because I've been watching on Saturday mornings and I was all into it. I called my dad at the firehouse. Like, hey, is Lieutenant Bono there? They put him on the phone. Hey, Dad, uh, I want to watch Royal Rumble. How much? Nineteen ninety nine. Get out of here. No chance. <laughs> hey, tell me no. I went down in the basement and I had selected enter anyway. I couldn't. Yeah, I just didn't. Yeah. Dealt with yeah. it when I got it. There, there are certain crimes you just got to do I can't believe my dad crime. said no to 20 bucks. I know it was probably 1990, but come on. You know. An eight-year-old wants to watch the Royal Rumble. Help him out. <laughs> hey, you know, you got to earn that Rumble. <laughs> and then and then we started having friends over for the uh, wrestling events for the pay-per-views and my dad had my friends who were like 10 11 years old had me tell in. them five dollars each they had to bring so like oh we're going over the bono's house <laughs> you gotta either bring pizza or you gotta hand over five bucks because mr bono's not paying you know the 29.99 for wrestlemania uh 10 so 
Anyway, that's my. Oh, hey, that that was a worthwhile one to chip into, though. WrestleMania. Oh, I think hard of yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, I, I all right. Was a well, huge listen. Razor Ramon guy at that time when he oh, won those belts. Much. Big day for me. Mm-hmm. Well, listen. You won't be watching that. You'll be watching um, Islanders and Lightning on Saturday, with or without hat, and then. We'll take a breath and we'll see how they are coming out of this weekend, uh, whether or not they've even further solidified their position as the top wild card spot. And you kind of now know perhaps, um, you know, three or four more games, whether or not it's going to be them and and Carolina, or did they sub themselves, sub their toe hair, struggle in the next three games and allow Pittsburgh and allow uh, Florida to make it, you know, pretty dangerous there down the stretch. So, uh, but uh, one last thing before we go, uh, uh, what, what, can somebody inform me what the curious case of Matt Barzal is? How injured is he? Yeah, I, I it's a it definitely is a curious case because he's not traveling with the team and not even skating. So, like, what's the timeline from getting back on the ice until actually being able to play potentially playoff type hockey? So we're basically not going to have him for playoffs. I mean, he's I mean, not even getting skating. close. It's getting, it's getting close. You don't just go from I'm skating to I'm playing. That's still like another two weeks. Yeah, like I said, it's getting close. I mean, you have the playoffs. We're gonna we're gonna start what April 15, 16, 17, something around there. You know, we're a couple of days from the start of April. Yeah, we're right in that window where he's got to start getting on the ice if you think he's gonna be able to be inserted in the lineup for for game one or game two. Yeah, there's like this random belief. Oh yeah, and then they activate him for playoffs. No, the, the, I mean it's starting to seem really weird. And listen, as well as well as they've played, like you said, right now they have one line that's really going well, uh, but the other two really don't have an identity, and they haven't been able to solve, you know, the Bo, the Bo Horvat. I don't want to say problem, but you know, we got an empty net goal thanks to Casey Zizekas being a little bit unselfish there. Hopefully, get him going, and obviously scored in the shootout here. And he had a couple of really good uh, wrist shots there in overtime. One off the mass and Kemper, and a good hard one that got gloved down, but. He's obviously missing him, and then of course, like we've talked about at the last last time we met, the power play, and that you're going to win or lose playoff games on how well your special teams is doing, and without question, they're a much more dangerous power play uh, with Barzell in the lineup. So we'll see. But like you said, it's getting close. It's getting close to basically saying how how is it possible that he'll be ready uh, for a playoff run? Yeah, correct. Okay, well, listen, that'll do it for this episode of Eyes on Isles, following an Islanders exciting 2-1 shootout win. Uh, We'll be back with you next week. We'll see where the Islanders stand after their uh, very busy weekend, Tampa Bay and Carolina. Then they're home back against Tampa, and we'll probably meet with you again after that. So, for Mr. Andy Francis, have a wonderful time at the game on Saturday. I am Joe Bono. We will talk to you next time, Islanders country. Good night.